Hello, and welcome to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Join me as we explore the amazing, mysterious aspects of our planet's cultures, history, and future trends. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Good to be back with you, and thanks for tuning in. I am currently sitting in my room, and it's freezing outside. Um, it's in, And I'm in Tennessee, so... It's kind of weird to have super cold weather this early, but yeah, it dropped like 20, 30 degrees overnight, and I think the high today was like 29, 30, which is nuts uh, for this time of year um, in Tennessee, I feel like. But yeah, I had ice on my car uh, this morning when I went, when I went to work out, which was an unexpected delay, although I should have known. It was just... I was being stupid and didn't realize. Um, but yeah, so it's getting chilly. Um, hope everyone had a good Halloween. Um, just a couple updates real fast. Um, recently, I was back on Pair Reality Radio with Sandman. And you can go check his episodes out at um, PairRealityRadio.com or on Spreaker, Google Play. Um, just go find Pair Reality. Um, and I know if you go to his website, there's links to those sites, so that might be helpful. Um, yeah, we uh, we talked about um, oh, we talked about the these giants that supposedly live on uh, in the Solomon Islands on Guadalcanal. Um, some crazy stories, pretty far out, but uh, entertaining nonetheless. And uh, I mean, who knows? It's entirely possible that they could be some lost civilization, um, just like Bigfoot, if you're into that uh, avenue of thought. But, um, so yeah, go check those out, and um, I'm on there every month, and I think we're going to do a end-of-the-year episode in December, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but, back to the world we live in, um, I have been on this vein of, like, I think it's ever since I watched uh, Missing 411, um, The Hunters, or Hunted. It's it's the one on Amazon that has to do with, like, hunters and hikers. Um, I just can't remember the full title. But I highly recommend going and watch that. It's, uh, I think I mentioned this in a pre- previous episode. It is a little frightening, but um, if you like that kind of stuff, um, then, and you've been listen to it, I guess you kind of get desensitized a little bit, but it's, it's still frightening that, uh, these people just go missing. It doesn't matter what the actual phenomena is that are they just going missing or, uh, or is there something else, some intelligence behind it? Um, frightening nonetheless, but, uh, I, I, I always say rely on the buddy system, um, for, <laughs> for pretty much everything, but, um, yeah, again, it's up to your own interpretation. But <clears throat> when you watch Missing Four One One, you'll you'll be able to develop or read the books. I've heard the books are really good. I just haven't picked them up. Um, but you'll be able to uh, decide for yourself. So, and I think that's the best option when it comes down to it. Um, but having said that, I just wanted to tell some stories about um, not Missing Four One One, but people who have supposedly just like vanished. Now, some of the stories involve some sort of 
mysterious aspect, some don't. Again, up to your interpretation. I'm just here to tell the stories, so we'll hop into it. So, this first account um, is from a little while back, um, but it is about a prisoner that supposedly just vanished out of out of thin air. So, um, the year is 1815, and this was at a Prussian prison called, love pronouncing German names, Weichselmunde. I think, I don't think that's too bad. Oh, I should plug, I'm going to plug something real fast. Um, if you haven't seen the movie Dark, or not the movie, the series on Netflix, it's called Dark, it's a German show, there's two seasons. Yeah, yeah, there's two seasons. Um... It's incredible, especially if you're into um, time travel, any of that um, type of stuff, um, alternate universes. If you're a fan of Fringe, I think you'll like it, Um, but you should definitely check it out. I know there's a lot of shows on Netflix, but it's really well done, and it's in German, so that's that's what, that German name I just maybe either butchered or didn't butcher, Um, that just reminded me of it. Okay. So, the prisoner's name was uh, Diderici. He was a valet who was serving a sentence for assuming his employer's identity after he died. So, apparently it was just another day, and this man was in a line of prisoners, all chained together, walking in the prison yard. And as he walked with his prison inmates, chains in chains he just slowly began to, like, fade or disappear. His body became transparent until he technically disappeared altogether. And the irons just fell to the ground, and no one ever saw him again. So, not much context there, but uh, entertaining nonetheless. Continuing on. Um, so this case, um, is from 1873, and it concerns a James Warson of Lymington Spa in England. Um, he was a shoemaker who also fancied himself somewhat of an athlete, um, and one day James made a bet with a few of his friends that he could run nonstop from Lymington Spa to Coventry. And knowing that this was a rough 16 miles, he took the bet. James began to jog at a moderate pace toward Coventry. Uh, His friends climbed into a horse-drawn cart to follow him. And James was cruising along. He did well for the first few miles. Then all of a sudden, his friends saw him trip on something and fall forward. But as he fell, he never hit the ground. Instead, James completely vanished. His friends looked for him without any um, success, and then they ran back to Limington Spa to inform the police. Nothing turned up. It would seem that James just disappeared into thin air. So, maybe a little uh, bit of context to some of these stories. These may seem just silly tales, and there might be one or two that 
just were stories that kept coming down and people told them or this or that or something just happened and we, we all know how that goes. But if you believe that there are window areas or areas around the world where the possible fabric of reality is somehow opened or it's somehow thinner, then you open yourself up to the possibility that people can disappear without a trace in the purest sense of without a trace, not someone that just like wants to get off the grid and they leave and they make sure all the loose ends are tied up or most of them. But the possibility, like I said, if you open up, if you open yourself up to the possibility that the veil between other worlds is thinner some places than these, uh, possibility, these disappearances, um, happen. Okay. Um, this one, still in the 1800s here, it was a cold November winter night, uh, 1878. Charles, who was a 16-year-old, went out into the dark to fetch a bucket of water from the well in Quincy, Illinois. He never returned. Um, after many minutes, his father and sister became concerned. They feared that Charles possibly had slipped into the snow and had fallen, got hurt, just wasn't able to make it back. They, um, they left and went to look for him, but he was just gone. There was no struggle, signs of a struggle, um, only his footprints that were fresh in the snow led halfway to the well, and then they just stopped just disappeared into thin air. Um, this next one concerns a man named Bruce Campbell, and he was asleep next to his, next to his wife, and it was April 14th, 1959, he was traveling with his wife from their hometown in Massachusetts to visit their son across the country. It was a nice drive, and they were stopping in Jacksonville, Illinois. And this man checked into the hotel with his wife. They went to bed. The next morning, he was gone. Um... He had vanished. All of his belongings, his money, car, and clothing were left. And he was never seen again. This next one, we're staying in the state of Illinois. In 1970, Edward and Stephanie Andrews were in Chicago. And they were attending a party at the Sheridan Hotel. Edward was a bookkeeper. Stefania was a credit investigator. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were both in their early 60s. Average citizens who lived in the suburb of Arlington Heights. And during the party, it kind of got a little strange. Other attendees noted that Edward complained of some sort of mild illness. 
Um, he just attributed it to being hungry, as the party was only serving like drinks and some small hors d'oeuvres. The couple soon left the party and went to the parking garage to retrieve their car. The a parking attendant later told authorities that Stefani appeared to be crying and Edward just didn't look well. He looked unwell. As they drove away, Edward was driving. He scraped the car's fender on the exit door, but it didn't seem to phase him. They just kept on driving. Um, the couple vanished into the night. The parking attendant at the garage was the last person to see him. Um, the police speculated that uh, Edward had driven off a bridge into the Chicago River, which is entirely plausible. Um, an investigation uncovered no such sign of an accident, though. The river apparently was dragged for the car and nothing was found and they just disappeared now this disappearance um, was reported by the New York Times in April of 1980 Chris Romer and his wife Catherine were a retired couple who spent half the year in the north half in the south they lived in New York, and then they would drive to Florida for the winter. Sounds pretty nice to me. I think I'd probably do that, too, even though I do like the cold. Um, and I will say the South has made me um, definitely softer. So uh, even though it's cold down here, it, most, of, most of the year it's warm, and it's definitely made me soft. Definitely made me soft. But anyway... Um, they were driving back to New York, and they set off on the long trip back to New York um, in the morning of April 8th in a, Lincoln, in a black Lincoln Continental. Late that afternoon, they stopped at a motel in Brunswick City, Georgia. They checked in, dropped their luggage in the room. They went out. Um, a highway patrolman might have seen their car on the road that evening. If that is to be believed, he was the last one to ever see the Romers. Rome, Romers, yeah. Or their Continental. Um, they never arrived at any restaurant. They never made it back to the motel. Um, three days later, an investigation showed that their motel beds were never slept in. Um, so they didn't go back to the hotel, and a thorough search of the area found no trace of the Rome uh, of the Romers or their car. And yeah, there's 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 just no clues. That, I think that's the thing that ties a lot of these stories together. Whether uh, whether there is some mysterious aspect of people of of accounts um, of witnesses, I should say uh, that see people vanish into thin air like that supposed sighting in Limington Spa. Um, or whether the, just just like a couple disappears and like I said, the their bed was never slept in. Everything's left behind. It's just weird circumstances. And nothing ever turns up. So yeah. What I'm saying is um, 
the disappear the common thread through all these that makes them weird is that nothing ever turns up of the individuals or for most of them i think there's one story i have where they do find a body but i might not get to that one we'll see um okay continuing on okay this one concerns a man named patrick Carnes. He was 86 when him and his dog, Lucky, vanished off of I-80 in Nevada. Now this strip, uh, if you're not familiar with it, is called The Big Lonely. I'm assuming because there's nothing but desert out there and <laughs> it might get a little lonely at times. So, um, Pat apparently often drove with his dog from Reno, Nevada, where he lived, to Ohio to visit family. On April 13, 2011, he was driving on the interstate near the town of Wells, Nevada. The time was 9 p.m., and this was on his return trip from Ohio. He was pulled over and warned about an illegal lane change. And during the exchange between him and the trooper, he... um, told the trooper that he'd been following a trucker to the next town, and that's where he planned to get a room for the night. So, um, apparently there is a dash cam video, and it appeared as if Pat had been following the, the trailer, um, but police couldn't identify that trailer. And the exchange with the officer was the last time Pat was uh, seen. So the next morning, someone called to report an abandoned vehicle off of I-80 at the Pumpernickel Valley off-ramp, exit 205. The car was empty, but Pat's luggage, wallet, and checkbook were still inside, which... which the source says ruled out a robbery, which makes sense. So they didn't suspect a crime until la- until days later when they went to Pat's apartment and found his two sons were also looking for him. And this is where it gets weird. Despite 600 to 700 hours of canine searches, ATV and Jeep off-road searches, and investigations by ground teams, aerial flights over the area... Nothing turned up. Um, the source says, and I probably should have said this earlier, this source is talking about his uncle. And so he, he describes him as Uncle Pat, but I'll just say Pat. So this this person um, says, uh, Pat was old school. He didn't use any credit cards. He didn't have a cell phone. He had a very small, if if not non-existent, digital footprint which made it hard to track his movement. Um, Apparently, several family members joined the search, and they reviewed traffic tapes um, uh, and consulted with investigators, um, but nothing ever came up. And along that vein of weirdness, um, Pat's not the only one to go missing at exit 205. 
Uh, this source says that in 2006, a 62-year-old woman disappeared at the same location. Um, there was possible speculation of a um, sort of highway serial killer, but no trace of this woman or Pat have ever been found, and police haven't identified any suspects. So yeah, that one's weird because of the no trace, especially with the canines and the aerial flights and a bunch of people involved in the searches, which is similar to what missing 411 um, entails. Um, sometimes bodies are found, but in very weird circumstances, like miles from where the supposed accident happened or whatever accident it is um, that leads to the person going missing. Um, so yeah. Sort of switching, uh, switching tones here, which I think is always helpful. Um, some of you may be familiar with the, the name D.B. Cooper. Um, <laughs> this concerns a pretty legendary case that has been subject of uh, songs, movies, folklore, um, so the story goes, on November 24th, 1971, a man dressed in a suit and tie hijacked a Northwest Orient flight bound for Seattle, Washington, bound for Seattle, Washington from Portland, Oregon. So this hijacker claimed to have a bomb and demanded 200000 in cash and four parachutes. Once he got his ransom... This man jumped out of the plane into the night and was never seen again. This reminds me of the scene from oh the is it the Batman movie with with Bane? I think it is where they yeah, I think that's what it is where they hijacked the plane. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know I'm horrible with referencing movies. It just takes me a while. So I think it's that one. Yeah, I can picture the scene in my head because I think the plane like splits in half. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Okay. I don't have anyone uh, fact-checking me today, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so continuing on. Um, so in more than uh, 45 years since the heist, the FBI has looked over thousands of potential suspects, um, but they don't know who this man is. They don't know who this D.B. Cooper is. They don't know if he survived the jump or if he died. Um, this case remains the only unsolved aviation crime in U.S. history, apparently. Um, now, a man claiming to be the brother of D.B. Cooper contacted... Um, Writer and director Nora Ephron. Um, and the FBI investigated but could not determine whether the man was telling the truth or not. So, yeah, um, like I said, 45 years, no evidence of the hijacker or the ransom money was ever found. Um, now, as you know, when you get higher up in the atmosphere, it gets cooler and, in this case, extremely cold. Um, so apparently, at the height that they were at when he would have done the hijacking, um, it was at least 70 degrees below zero when he leapt from the plane. Um, 
So I don't know if he had oxygen. Doesn't sound like it, especially from this account. Um, And it's a short account, I will say. Um, But in 2016, the FBI officially suspended the investigation. They stated that in a press release, although the FBI will no longer actively investigate the case, should specific physical evidence emerge related specifically to the parachutes or the money taken by the hijacker. Individuals with those materials are asked to contact their local FBI field office. Excuse me, I had to yawn. Damn. It's only like 5.30. Jeez. Okay. Um, Little note on that. I think this is a pretty badass disappearance. Um, If I were to ever disappear or wanted to disappear... um, Although I'm not, I have never jumped out of a plane, and I don't know how to use a parachute. But this seems like the type of thing that uh, I would be into if I was a little more badass. I'm like kind. I'm I'm slightly badass. Like w- one to ten, I'm like maybe a three and a half, a four. So below average, but like still kind of badass. I think Kyle would agree. Um, but like I said, I'm here by myself, so I can talk. I can talk myself up, right? Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Okay. Um, so this is um, this is another one that gained some um, gained some notoriety, and you might even recognize this name if you've been into the podcast world. This concern this concerns. Um, excuse me, I got some allergies. This concerns uh, Mara Murray, a 21-year-old nursing student who vanished in New Hampshire. So a podcast titled Mara Murray Missing, which you should go check out if you think this story uh, is weird and you want to know more. They delve into the mysteries about this college student who disappeared. Um, so she, she was driving... From Amherst, Mass., to the White Mountains of New Hampshire when she disappeared. So she was involved in a crash, um, non-life-threatening accident, I should say, at 7.30 p.m. And this was um, at a hairpin turn on a, on this desolate route, route um, I guess it's route one, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> This is Route 112. Um, So the few witnesses who spoke with the police said that she was denying any help from people. And that she was gone, left the scene, before the police showed up only 10 minutes uh, after it had happened. And no one's ever seen or heard from her since then. A documentary called The Disappearance of Mara Murray, um, is currently in production. This article is from 2017, and to be honest, I haven't checked on this documentary. So, um, it might be out. I'm going to check real fast. Okay, um, it does look like there is more information on the Mara Murray disappearance, as I assumed there would be. So I will link... Uh, a lot of that information in the show notes if you are interested in um, 
understanding more about what happened and the details surrounding that. Okay, moving on. Um, This next one comes from Australia. Um, In May of 2013, a Canadian military reservist and university law student went missing at a national park there. Um, So he rented a camper van, and on Monday, May 13th, he headed off along the main range walk up into this set of mountains. So this was a fairly well-traveled trail, and the weather there... um, seemed good. Um, he was a well-trained and seasoned outdoorsman. Um, as he made his way up though, that would be the last that anyone saw of him. So on May 18th, a park ranger noticed that this man's vehicle had not moved in a week and it only had a 24 hour pass on it. So police were alerted. They looked in his car. His car was unlocked they found a laptop, um, but there's no sign of him. So an intensive, an intensive search was underwent using aircraft, infrared sensors, tracking dogs, uh, alpine rescue personnel, um, stretching out four weeks, um, all without a single trace. Um, so searches were conducted in warmer weather months but there was no sign of the man and a mountain guide is quoted here saying that the fact that they didn't find a single item of clothing not a backpack not so much as a scrap of toilet paper doesn't add up he says I understand people want resolution but given how many people go through the area why didn't they find anything in the summer so yeah, this is um, similar to the missing 411 phenomena where literally nothing's found of of him or his clothes or no one can get a track on him. Um, the So the search was only started a week after he disappeared. So it is definitely strange that nothing was found. So there was an eerie incident during the initial search. Um, On May 20th, several rangers heard someone shouting hello from the wilderness, but no source for the voice could be found, or they couldn't tell where it was coming from. There was also several reports of hikers also hearing someone call out in the night, or sorry, call out for help, but they couldn't find the origin. Um... Again, no sign of this man had ever has ever been found, and it was widely thought that he perished in the rugged landscape. Um, but that's just what they came down to. There's also the theory that he could have disappeared intentionally. Um, apparently, there were roaming pings picked up from his cell phone in the days after his disappearance, which ended at Mount Townsend at the end of this trail. Um, so this could suggest that he made it out of the wilderness, but it's also difficult to say if he was even in possession of the phone at the time, or if the readings were correct. Um, so yeah, definitely strange. 
Um, the fact that no one could pinpoint the apparent voice saying hello is kind of weird. Um, but Australia, if you're familiar with it, has some weird, um, just like the United States, has some strange areas to it. And one of these strange areas is the Blue Mountains. And this concerns a woman who went missing there um, in 2016. She was 77, and this Blue Mountains area is just west of Sydney. And this woman was a longtime resident of the area and very familiar with the terrain. And in, um, in March of 16, she went for a walk along a trail in an area she had strolled many times before. And a day later, she hadn't returned. So authorities tried contacting her mobile phone um, out of procedure, it says here, more out of procedure than anything else. Um, not expecting any anything to come of that. Um, <laughs> but amazingly, she picks up. So this woman picks up her phone. She told him that she was healthy, but that she did not know where she was, after which the line went dead. Um, as procedure, a search turned up, or a search was conducted, um, nothing turned up. Um, a few days later, people in the area reported hearing calls for help in the night, and when police came to investigate, they too heard what sounded like a woman shouting. Um, searchers were brought in, but they could not find the source of the calls, which, um, suddenly stopped as quick as they had started. To this day, um, Elizabeth remains missing, and no one knows what happened to her. One idea is that she had suffered some sort of confusion as a side effect of a stroke medication. Um, but again, the searchers couldn't find anything, and no trace of her was ever picked up. Um, and I think I'm going to end there. Just because I actually have somewhere to be, <laughs> but um, there is there's just a plethora of these weird disappearance cases, and yeah, some only get weirder. Um, there's the the weird part about those last two for me, and I think most of you guys will agree is the calls that people hear the voices like the the man saying hello or the woman picking up her phone but being confused about where she was and yes that's weird um and especially with the woman you might think like well like she was just lost in the wilderness but how is it that nothing is found that's that's the strange part to me is nothing's found, and that's where this vanishing aspect comes in. It's just like they're gone, and I don't I don't really know what to think about some of these. Um, I I do um, yeah actually 
I, I really don't know what to think. They're weird. There's a lot of weird aspects. Disappearances are weird in themselves when um, people just disappear without a trace. And I, I guess that's what it comes down to is they just disappear without a trace. And I guess it's that sort of loose end that we as humans don't like. We want to know what happened. We want closure. Um, and I think that's the thing that keeps getting me is that with these disappearances, not only are there weird circumstances, but you just don't know. And I can only imagine what it's like for people close to the individuals that disappear and that are that get lost um, and that they never find anything. It's sad, um, but they are they are real and they do happen. So that that's the other kind of angle I, I guess I'm trying to emphasize is that these are real and they do happen, um, whether they're weird or not. They they do happen, um, and so yeah, I just have been going down that vein and reading, like I said, a bunch of stories and I'm getting long winded here, so I'll close it up. But yeah, so that's kind of that was kind of my thought process going into this episode, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed some stories there. I think at the beginning, especially those old stories from England, uh, they're kind of they're kind of funny, especially the guy running sixteen miles. I can't imagine someone running sixteen miles in eighteen seventy three. I think it was. I like what was he wearing on his feet? Like I feel like every I feel like they didn't. Well, they didn't. Uh, Nike wasn't around. They didn't have running shoes. Um. No, no running company was around. Um, I guess he was just in like maybe boots. I don't know. But um, just a little gentleman's bet, and he ends up disappearing without a trace. So <laughs> unfortunate. But anyway, um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, again, check me out on Parareality Radio and check out Sandman on Parareality Radio. Um, really great stuff um, over there, and glad to be a part of his show as well. Hopefully Kyle gets back on. I don't know. Uh, like I said, uh, he's been busy, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pull his ass in here. Um, get him back on. Yeah, we'll get him in here. Okay, um, you can find me on Twitter at World We Live Pod. You can listen to the episodes on Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play, um, Stitcher. Anywhere you can, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, I should be there. And yeah, everybody stay warm. Um, if you live in the northern hemisphere, I guess in the southern hemisphere, you're uh, trying to stay cool. That was that's always weird to me. I need to travel to the southern hemisphere. I don't even I don't think I've ever been to the southern hemisphere. Now that I think about it, yeah, yeah, I haven't. Well, Okay, anyway, Southern Hemisphere, here I come. (laughs) Okay, thanks guys, I appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next time.